yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show, when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? And who in Ireland is providing the technology to help them do that? We talk to one of the country's biggest automotive autonomy entrepreneurs. I have BMW Drive Assist in my own vehicle, and it is much, much safer because we are all prone to distraction, especially when we're on the motorway from Limerick to Dublin, for example. We've all been there where you actually forgot a whole section of the road. So I would say if you take it from a safety perspective, and it does allow you to kind of relax. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. This is an Irish independent podcast. Hello and welcome to the left wing. Well, Ireland are top of the charts after the opening two rounds. They lead the way on 10 points at the top of the Six Nations table. After another bonus point win yesterday, they scored 36 points, kept Italy scoreless at the Viva Stadium. Six tries overall, including two from Dan Sheehan, as well as one apiece from Jack Crowley. His first for Ireland and uh, Jack Conan, James Lowe and Calvin Nash also with the tries. Rory O'Connor and Keane Tracy are here with me. Rory, so far, so damn good by Ireland in the Six Nations. Yeah, I cut above the rest, really, Sinead. I mean, I don't think they really had to raise much of a gallop to, you know, blow Italy away over the course of 80 minutes yesterday to nail them. You know, the first time they nailed an opponent in the championship since it was the Five Nations in 1987 against England. Um, you know, something that really just doesn't happen very often. We've had even worse, we've had a lot worse Italy teams come to Dublin and, and get a try along the way. And really, Italy never barely threatened. I know they, they could have had three points from Garbisi before the, the scoring started, that poor kick that he that he had early on. But in reality, they were never in the game. Ireland didn't really, um, they didn't come to play and that probably limited what Ireland did a little bit. That's a lot of what Andy Farrell was saying afterwards. But when when Ireland found a way to play, they created some really, really good tries. Um, you know, got their set piece functioning very, very well. Obviously, there's, there's bigger tests to, to come in terms of the scrum particularly, but they'll be very happy with the way it ran and you know when they regather later this week they have so much to work on as well because I don't like they were good in Marseille very good in Marseille but I think their sense is that France were really poor so they feel like they have, they have a lot to you know a lot to get better and they have incredible competition because you make six changes and even with those six changes um, the team keeps keeps humming along so now he has to choose between the team from Marseille and the guys that came in and did well uh, on Sunday so a really good place and you know, they, they are the best team in this tournament. They just need to prove it now by going out in the next three games and winning them and going back to back Grand Slams. 
Yeah, Keen Andy Farrell was very happy with the set piece yesterday. He said in one of his TV post-match interviews that he thought their scrum was a man of the match. Eight scrums won by Ireland yesterday, none lost. They also won 13 of their lineouts, none lost. They had one steal. It kind of makes the fact that the lineout didn't function at the World Cup fully all the more annoying when we see how well it operates and how that just, you know, flows into the way Ireland play. Well, it's been the perfect response, really, hasn't it? They were 13 out of 13 in Marseille last week as well. So to back it up with 13 and other 13 successful lineouts, that's an incredible return from a set piece, which was, was stuttering at the World Cup. Although, as Dan Sheehan reminded me in the mix zone after Marseille, not directly, but indirectly, that he was injured for a lot of the, the first half of the World Cup. And I think when he came back, the lineup maybe wasn't as poor um, as it was when he wasn't there. But... I mean, you had a new caller in James Ryan calling, not a new caller, but he wasn't obviously calling the line out last week. It was Ty Byrne in Marseille. So um, that's a big feather in the cap for Paul O'Connell, I think, and the pack as a whole. Peter O'Mahony, another outstanding line out operator, wasn't there uh, yesterday against Italy either. So for me, the set piece was a huge positive. I mean, you look at Andrew Porter, he saw off both Italian tight heads. They made a change at halftime. I think Ireland finished with five scrum penalties, which, look, it, it's an Italian scrum that's not exactly on the level of South Africa, France or the All Blacks, whatever. But I mean, it's still, there's been question marks over Andrew Porter's, I suppose, legality, fairly or unfairly so. But that was a, a great response, really. Um, Italy bringing on a new tight head at halftime. And it didn't make any difference at all. Ireland were just totally dominant up front and you're right to touch on the line-out as well, Sinead. Everything does kind of flow from there. We saw it in Marseille, all five tries stemmed from, from line-out. So look, Paul O'Connell came into the Six Nations, I think under a bit of pressure, but they've come up with the, the perfect response really. And I think the fact that it was James Ryan coming in and calling the line-out is even more of a positive rather than it being the same sort of setup as it was in Marseille. And for me, that was probably the biggest positive from yesterday's win over Italy. We would have had, I think, a few a few question marks in, in the past when Andy Farrell has made changes. It, it's it been a bit clunky, even though he did use that word again yesterday. But I didn't think it was anything like the performances against Fiji a couple of years ago, the World Cup warm-up game against Samoa. Even in Rome last year, I thought um, Ireland were far better yesterday now, albeit Rudd, I think, has hit the nail on the head. I think we do need to caveat by the fact that Italy, I thought, were really poor. Um, I know they're in a bit of transition under a new head coach, but I just didn't think they offered that much threat at all yesterday. So to have made six changes to the starting team, another five on the bench, and to have scored 36 points, six tries, kept Italy scoreless, and still find faults and things to work on ahead of Wales in a fortnight, I think is a very good place to be. Uh, what about Jack Crowley's uh, performance, Rory? I mean, he scored his first try for Ireland in the build-up to Dan Sheen's first try. He had the excellent no-look pass and uh, to Hugo Keenan, who ran a brilliant line. He he missed those three conversions, which undoubtedly he will be kicking himself over. But that is an area of, a game, of his game that he will be able to work on and he will he should be able to improve on. And he's like, he has to, if he wants to nail this jersey yeah. down for the next 10 years, which he looks like he has the capacity to do. You know, he... He looks, even just I was listening to the BBC podcast this morning and Jonathan Davies was raving about what he's doing. You know, he's starting mm-hmm. to catch the eye of, of, of people beyond Ireland and um, look the part. And, and we know that Italy are in transition. We know that England are in tra- transition. We know that Wales are in transition. We know that France are in transition. But Ireland are in transition as well. And what's impressed me the most about Ireland is the fact that they're integrating a new 10 and replacing Johnny Sexton on the run. And, and they're not breaking stride while doing it. And that's a testament to the way that they've and Andy Farrell has, has bedded Jack Crowley in over the last 
years since he kind of came on, you know, since the Emerging Ireland Tour, maybe a year and a half now. Um, it, it, you know, he carried the tee for Sexton last year. He's, you know, he, he has been in and around the camp. He's been in nearly every training session for, for a long time. And, and the same with Joe McCarthy, who's been around for a long time before kind of making his name last Friday in, in Marseille. So Crowley looked incredibly comfortable his his ability to run an attack is excellent. I think he can be more consistent across 80 minutes. Now, you know, Saturday or Sunday was a difficult game because it lacked flow because of the way Italy wouldn't play in their own half. Um, but when it comes to the tighter games, whether it that's twicking them away, whether that's the tourists at Africa in the summer when they're trying to beat the Springboks away from home, he will he will need to be a much higher. I haven't I've got his percentage in front of me, but I think. Turning those fives into sevens has been part of what Ireland have done really well over the last couple of years. And Sexton, you could, you know, he, he wasn't. No one's hundred percent off the tee, but drilling those down and, and making a five into a seven can be so effective on the scoreboard. And we have had examples of Munster this year, particularly over at Exeter, where he didn't do that. And Munster's excellent sixty minutes. But they left the door open for Exeter and they came back and won the game. And, and it's not the only reason for that, but just giving a team a glimmer of hope is, is can be a, a dangerous thing. So it's an area of his game that he can and hopefully he will improve. But a lot of his game is, is right there already. And, you know, he's he's very, very impressive and he's doing very impressive things. Keen. Yeah, I was I was very impressed. Um, I saw a, a TV clip um, on social media, and there seemed to be I don't know a bit of I don't know was it clamor or what, but like almost pushing Harry Byrne I think into the conversation, which of course he is. But for me, I think there's clear distance at the moment with Jack Crowley and the chasing pack. I mean, Ross Byrne still has to come back in, but I think for the for his first two Six Nations starts, and Rudd has kind of touched on it there. I think the biggest compliment you could give Jack Crowley is that very few people are talking about Johnny Sexton. That like that to me speaks volumes um, for how well he's played for. How well he's integrated. He's look, he's come into a system which is so well oiled and so well tuned and he's slotted in well, but also tried to bring a bit of his own personality as well. We saw that several times in Marseille as well. And that's brilliant. Like he's been given the freedom to do that. Like his goal kicking, yeah, sure, it wasn't it wasn't good yesterday, and he will be annoyed uh with three misses. But when I watch him kick, he's got a beautiful strike and flow and technique, and the way he uh, fired over those two touchline conversions in at the Stad Velodrome. Look, shows that he can do it under pressure. So it's just finding that consistency, as Rod has touched on, and maybe that is look. He's he's far from the complete player anyway. Like he's only twenty four years old, but it is something that he's going to need to work on. And for sure, he would. I wouldn't be overly concerned um, by it. I have to say, but some of his passing yesterday was just an absolute joy to watch. Um, the, the no-look pass that he threw for Hugo Keenan was just delightful. And then he reloads back over to the far side where he throws a lovely offload for Robbie Henshaw, who passes it to Stuart McCloskey, who puts Dan Sheehan over in the corner, which was probably the pick of the bunch in terms of the, the try. So look, he is adding a little bit different. We're seeing how much of a threat he is to, to the line. He's got a really good kicking game. He's varying his play uh, very well. It's keeping the defence um, on his toes. He, like something that we don't really talk enough about is probably his defense. He never shirks his defensive responsibilities. He's a bit like he puts his body on the line. He makes his tackles. Um, so like I think all in all for the first two weeks, um, it's been really positive. I've been a little bit surprised by 
I don't know if doubts are the word, like even, you know, a couple of WhatsApp mm. groups that I mean, you know, people still like kind of unsure about Jack Crowley. And I have to say, I mean, sometimes I'm wondering if I'm watching a, a different game. Um, again, I know it's caveated by like it was a poor Italian team, but we can't ignore what he did in Marseille the previous week. That was an exceptional performance. OK, he had a couple of errors, but the the composure he showed was really impressive. And I thought he built on that yesterday. So um, I'd be very surprised if if Harry Byrne, Ross Byrne, or even Kieran Frawley was to overtake Jack Crowley in this Six Nations. And I think, you know, as long as he keeps building on it, I think he is going to be Ireland's 10 for the foreseeable future. I'm keen, yeah, I totally agree with you. I do not agree with the negativity that some of the negativity that's been thrown at uh, Jack Crowley. He's going to grow into the Six Nations, um, I have no doubt. Rory, what about Harry Burns' performance? He got a good uh, 25 minutes. Obviously, the downside to that was that Hugo Keane had to come off with that knee injury and we'll see how that will, uh, if he'll be able to recover in time for the Wales game. But what did you make of Harry Burns' performance? He had that knock on when he came on, but he had that good conversion at the end for Calvin Nash's try. Yeah, it, like he had a couple of nice touches, as he always does, Harry Byrne. Like he's a he's a very fluid looking rugby player. I think that Ireland lost their way a little bit in that last 20, 25 minutes. And I think Andy Farrell talked about how the bench chased it a little bit. We saw a couple of wraparounds that didn't really work. Um, the Italians, in fairness to them, didn't go away. They, they kept defending um, right until the end. And Byrne you know, comes in and, and like he's trying to impress. It's the first cap since 2020 or 2021. And like I think the criticism that you touch on with Jack Crowdy, the the you know, the slight unfairness of that is is kind of an unrealistic expectation of what these players mm. are able to achieve at a very you know early part of their international career. You know, I mean, Harry Byrne has had a long spells out of the game. He's he's been in in and out for Leinster this year because of injuries, and and you know his career has been very stop start. I I still don't feel like I can make a definitive judgment on him because I haven't seen enough of him. We're seeing more of him, and the more we see, the more we learn. But I I definitely think he's got a fairly big distance to travel but you know to, to try and close that gap on Jack Crowley and I think if Ross Byrne does become fit and it's it's one of the you know we haven't really found that out from the IRFU where Ross Byrne is at it's been a while since we got a definitive update on him from Leinster um, I think Ross is still ahead of him in the pecking order because I think Ross is, is much greater experience and at test match level you would have much greater trust in throwing him into a tight game at Twickenham so um, but look it's good that he got the opportunity uh, like we're all of these this post Johnny Saxon era is fascinating because we know so little about these players because they've all come on the scene even though like Frawley's 26 but he's played so little rugby at 10 um, Prendergast obviously might get a run now for Leinster this weekend which gives him another opportunity to, to play at senior level but Frawley to me is, is, is has put some distance between the chasing pack and, and himself and um, yeah I like I think you can look at the him getting charged down twice in two games and the misconversions that hone in on those. But I, I think to do that is ignoring all the really, really good stuff that Akeen mentioned. You know, some of his touches were exceptional and the way he cut apart a very committed Italian uh, defence across the game was was really excellent. And, uh, you know, a, a week ago he did the same against a better French team and, and went up a level and there's going to be mistakes, you know, for these players. Yeah. Like, and they should be allowed to make mistakes. They're... they're they're, they're only starting out on, the, on their career and Sexton made mistakes. So to hold them to that standard, I think people are holding them to an unrealistic version of what Johnny Sexton did, never mind um, the real version of what Johnny Sexton did, which is obviously a very experienced player. So um, look, neither of them did themselves any damage at the weekend. Byrne just needs to do more to close that gap. 
Yeah, you mentioned there, uh, Kieran Frawley. Um, in the event that Hugo Keenan isn't fit, and it's so I don't, I can't remember there ever him going off, uh, leaving a game because of injury. But in the event that he isn't fit uh, for the Wales game, who would you put in there at fullback? Obviously, Jimmy O'Brien, Mac Hansen are out injured. So who's next up for you? Um, I think J- Jacob Stockdale is the the kind of most natural fullback left in the squad if, if Keenan I mean it's been a it's a bit of a problem position for Ireland in terms of the the outstanding candidate is so outstanding that there hasn't been any opportunity for anyone else and Jimmy O'Brien got a run there in the World Cup warm-ups and it didn't go great for him he doesn't get a lot of game time at Leinster there um you know Jordan Larmer and J- Jacob Stockdale were the fullbacks at the start of the Andy Farrell era Larmer had a brilliant game at fullback at the start of the 2019 World Cup in that game against Scotland, but we don't see him there very often anymore. His aerial work really isn't strong enough. Stockdale, I think, is better in the air and brings a lot of really good attributes to the role, but I don't, I, I, I doubt his concentration across 80 minutes of Test Match Rugby, and I, I worry about the mistakes that he lets slip into his game. I think he doesn't, um, you know, he doesn't nail it. But like, he's, there's so much potential with Jacob Stockdale. Yeah. That it's such a shame that he's not. They're not. They can't find a way to get him into the team. So if Keenan goes down, I'd like to see him given a go there. But you know, I think the he has a huge job to do to kind of close that gap on Hugo Keenan, uh, or even just to kind of to do what he, Keenan does because Keenan's work rate, his defensive work in Marseille last week when he drilled Pinot twice, and his attacking prowess, the way he he joined the line and, and sparked the game into life on, on on Sunday. You know that that quick tap penalty was so key to Ireland just rising the uh, you know rising the occasion, just giving the whole place a lift. Even when he got injured, he he had two really brilliant attacking moments in the mm-hmm. build up to, to to damaging his knee. Long term, maybe it's no harm. Uh, uh, hopefully, it's not anything serious. We're not talking yeah. ligaments or anything, but maybe it's no harm that Andy Farrell's for- hand is forced, and we get to see what's beneath the surface. Because obviously, this could happen at a, a, a you know a more pivotal stage. But um, for Ireland's championship hopes, for Hugo Keenan himself, you you, you hope he's going to be okay, and you know you don't want to wish injury on anyone. But it's a it's been a lingering question over Ireland for a while, yes. and and we're going to we're going to find out now what Andy Farrell's thinking if if. It's confirmed. And we probably won't find out until they name the team because they've stopped doing injury updates to the RFU this season. So um, we'll have to just... Keen will have his, uh, his sources out trying to sniff <laughs> it out. Um, but it's it's like we don't know is, is the, the real answer. But I, I would go Stockdale. I know Keen might have a, a different take on it. Yeah, I like being honest, I would have concerns about Larmer and Stockdale positionally, defensively. Okay, Larmer is definitely susceptible in the air. Maybe not so much Jacob Stockdale, but it's such an important position that I just think the opposition would go after them big time. Kieran Frawley is another potential option, but does he have the top end pace to to play at fullback at test level? There's question marks there as well. I did think it was interesting that you know it was Jack Crowley. <clears throat> Excuse me, that it was Jack Crowley who switched to 15. Look, we know he's done it for for months or over the years. He can play 12 as well. I think. There was an element that, you know, Andy Farrell wanted um, to get Harry Burns some game time at 10, which was totally fair enough. We touched on this in our preview pod that in an ideal world, Harry Byrne would get 20, 25 minutes. And that's what happened. Look, Harry Byrne can play a bit of 12. I don't know if I've ever seen him at 15, but I think Farrell would be very reluctant to move Jack Crowley from the start uh, from 10. Like I mentioned earlier, I think it's really important that he starts um, all of these Six Nations games in terms of that time in the saddle. So um, 
I wonder would Calvin Nash be an option? Um, you touched on him earlier, Sinead. I've been really impressed with him, I have yeah. to say, over the first two weeks. Um, he's slotted in really well to the system. I think it's noticeable how much Ireland use him as a carrier in off his wing as well. He's a good defender. He's good in the air. I think he might have played a bit of fullback for Munster. Not a whole pile, but I think he has been there. Uh, I wonder, would he be a potential option? And then you could move Jordan Larmer onto the right wing. I'd be much more kind of comfortable in seeing Larmer on the wing rather than fullback. Um, so that's potentially what they could do. They've tried a couple of options, like Mike Lowry played against Italy, remember a couple of years ago, scored two tries, could have had a hat-trick. He's off the scene at the moment. Uh, Mike Haley has been good for Munster, was good for Munster last year, but obviously hasn't played yet this season due to injury. So um, it, it like Hugo Keenan is so consistent and also so durable that we almost take it for granted that he's the first name on the team sheet. But uh, there is going to come a day where Hugo Keenan is going to pick up a knock or whatever. We hope it's not going to be for that Wales game. But I agree with Rudd. If it is, there's probably no harm in Andy Farrell, you know, seeing what is what else is out there because you don't want to become overly reliant on Keenan, which Ireland probably have, to be to be honest. Yeah, well, Caelan Doris uh, slotted seamlessly into the captain's role, didn't he? Uh, Keen, you asked him at the post-match press conference yesterday about his nerves and how he felt going into the game. So let's hear from Caelan. But first, here's Andy Farrell's overall view of the game. Yeah, very pleasing um, because it's a different type of game uh, this year against Italy because they are very pragmatic in, and um, how they... Uh, exit their own half. It's completely different to how they played uh, played last year. So, um, you know, I thought our kicking game at, at, at times in the first half didn't complement uh, um, uh, too much as far as uh, our clean exits and being able to get the ball back on the back of that. You know, some of our kicks were, were, were too long. But as far as they're concerned, they, they kept playing in their own half to a min- minimum and it makes it tough to try and get the ball back in the in the, the right parts of the field, you know, so we need to be patient enough and find a way of doing that and I thought we did eventually through kick pressure, <laughs> defensive line speed, getting, getting the ball back that way, um, quick tap from Hugo, etc. and we got ourselves a bit of flow into the game in that way, so it was it was, it was was pleasing that we, uh, we found a way to, to, to get in control of the game special and knowing the group we have makes it all the more special um, like we're a very tiny group but this group has largely been together for the guts of four years plus now the relationships we have are special and the environment that Faz and Gary and all the coaches have set about being ourselves and being vulnerable makes my job easier made it easier this week and I've leaned heavily on the other lads quite a bit as well and um, I think yeah from a personal point of view as well it's sort of I hope that all the people who've um, been involved from Balmad, Hoa, Blackrock, all the way take a little bit of pride from this and from um, seeing me captain the country today. So, no, I'm delighted with it. Just in case you didn't catch what Andy Farrell said there, he said that Peter O'Mahony was shitting himself last week as well. I mean, Farrell just knows how to lighten the moment, doesn't he? Yeah, he just throws out these really interesting nuggets. He did it last week in Marseille when he told us that Calvin Nash was really, really nervous as well. And then Calvin Nash came out himself and said that what mm. he was crawling up the walls and texting Keith Earls. And 
Look, I think it just humanizes the 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 players because that's what they are at the end of the day. Rod Rod kind of touching it about people's realistic expectations of young tens. Like Calvin for Calvin Nash last week in Marseille, that was by far the biggest game of his career, and he handled it really well. And like I made this point in a piece that I wrote after the press conference uh, yesterday that I didn't think Kaylin Doris looked or played like a man who was nervous, but he wouldn't be human if he wasn't. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a big, big occasion for him and his family. It was nice that he touched there on, you know, the people of BlackRock, but also Balanay. I think it gets forgotten that, you know, Kaylin Doris' story, so much of it is rooted in in Mayo and not in not just in the private schools um, in Dublin. But I just thought it was interesting that Andy Farrell threw it out about Peter O'Mahony because, you know, it made, I'd imagine it made Caelan Doris feel just a little bit better about himself that Peter O'Mahony, you know, for whom it was a big occasion as well, obviously captaining Ireland as the, the permanent captain for the first time last week, that everyone does get nervous. And yeah, it just shows, I think, the the relationship that Andy Farrell has with his players. Um, we have a piece up online at the moment uh, with Stuart McCloskey and he was very interesting as well. Uh, I thought he had a really good game, I have to say, with yeah. Robbie Henshaw. I thought the two of them dovetailed really nicely. Um, but he was making the point that Farrell came up to to McCloskey and Robbie Henshaw separately. I think it was on Wednesday last week and basically told them that they were going to be starting together and that they weren't very good the last time they played together. It was against Samoa in the World Cup warm-up game in Bayon. Um, so, like, for a head coach to challenge a player like that, like they could go one or two ways, you know. A player could go back into their shell, but I thought both of them, like Henshaw, I think, has been excellent over the last while. He was brilliant in Marseille, but he was also excellent for Leinster in in Welford Road a few weeks ago. I was over at that game. That kind of got a little bit under the radar a bit, but he was excellent. But Stuart McCloskey came in yesterday and didn't really miss a beat. His offloading like was just so key to Ireland's attack. And um, I thought it was a brilliant response to Andy Farrell challenging him. And look, he's reminded everyone that if Bundyaki or Robbie Henshaw aren't available, then Stuart McCloskey is, is a very able deputy. And, you know, his rise over the last couple of years has been brilliant because it looked like he was never probably never going to play international rugby again. His, he admitted again, you know, his face didn't really fit under Joe Schmidt. Probably that offloading game was a bit too loose for for Schmidt, but Farrell came in and really likes what he does. And he's just unfortunate that he's caught between, you know, Robbie Henshaw, who's excellent, and a World Player of the Year nominee, Bundyaki, who's playing the best rugby of his career. But it shows the strength and depth that Ireland have in midfield. It's definitely a positive. Yeah, and just on Caelan Doris, James Lowe um, was in the mix zone as well yesterday evening. And he said that Doris gave a really inspirational speech before the game yesterday. Lowe obviously got uh, the man of the match himself yesterday. And his influence on games is just growing and growing, isn't it? He spoke as well about Jack Crowley, but first here he is on Caelan Doris. Um, look, he uh, he's, a, he's a great dude on and off the pitch. Um he is a very good learner. He's a great listener. Um, his speech uh, before the game was outstanding, um, to the point, emotional, uh, direct. It was, you know, it's exactly, it was, it was like he's done it before, you know. Um, and fair play, he took it all in the stride. He still performed outstandingly. Uh, he talked about how nervous he was, uh, you know, a young fella, but great head on his shoulders. And, you know, I think he's going to be around for a long time. And, you know, we was at seven today, but took it in a stride and played outstanding, yeah. Yeah, he's um, a lot of pressure on him, obviously. 
Um, there's been some world-class 10s come before him, so uh, he's taken it in his stride and uh, bossing around week to week. He hasn't quite, quite got that sexto aura about him. Uh, he hasn't got the stare down packed yet. So, um, But, no, he, he's awesome. He's growing into it. Showed a bit of... Um, yeah, a bit to his game, slotting into 15 as well, so um, fair play to him. He's a young man with a good head on his shoulders and I um, think he could go far in this game, yeah. Rory, we spoke on Friday about players like Ryan Baird, like Craig Casey, who came into the team yesterday. Did anyone press their case hard enough to make that team, uh, to get into that team to play Wales? I think when the team that you're trying to get into puts five tries on France and Marseille, it's very hard to to change Andy Farrell's mind. And, and you know, I thought Ryan Baird did a lot of things well. I thought he he he, uh, he definitely pressed his case and put his hand up for for inclusion somewhere in that 23. But he's up against the captain and that's going to be very difficult to, to get back in. Um, so I, I don't know if, if anyone did enough to, to really... Like, you know, if Aki's fit, did McCluskey do enough? But he did everything he could... But Aki's operating at such a level that you know, poor, you know, poor Stuart McCluskey probably isn't going to be starting against uh, Wales. The only thing he could do is go. Well, we've rotated my squad and it's gone well. Wales are the second worst team in this tournament. We're at home. Why don't they do a bit of a hybrid and rotate again and try and use the squad to win the Six Nations? Because I think Ireland are in a position where they can do that. Obviously, you leave yourself open to things going wrong um, and having egg on your face. But you know. It doesn't look like there's anything in this championship that's really to, anything to fear. The only thing is, I suppose, it's another three or four weeks to Twickenham. So if you don't play your starting team again, do you risk them coming in a little bit cold for that game? You know, Finley Bealham did well, but Ty Furlong, I think, is an automatic starter. Um, you know, Bealham's a very good bench option. Craig Casey, I don't think, did enough to really press his own case. I don't know if he took control of that first half in the way that Andy Farrell wanted him to. When there was a bit of box kicking going on, the stadium fell into a lull. He kind of got sucked into playing the game that Italy wanted to play. Um, and there was one moment in particular where he put a box kick up when, when Ireland had numbers on loads of numbers on the outside. And I think Gibson Park would have, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being overly harsh and again, comparing Casey to a very high standard of player, but I think Gibson Park might have spotted that space and moved the ball. And Ireland are a better team when they have the ball in hand and, and are moving it. And I understand that they don't play much rugby in their own 22, but they're not usually afraid to play in between the, the kind of the 10 and the 22 in their own half. They, they, they have the capacity to shift it there when it's on and, and he missed one or two moments there. And like these players are being held up against a very high standard. You know, it's a team that's won 19 games in 20. So it's a hard team to get into. But certainly none of them, like only Casey's stock would have fallen. I just don't think he did anything to, to make it rise. And and maybe he gets a bench spot next time. But Connor Murray was on the line the other day. Um, and like, you know, he's just so experienced. Andy Farrell likes him being able to close out these games. That's a, that's a tight call. So I don't think any of them did themselves any damage, but it's such a hard team to get into. I, I really think that if Andy Farrell's going for his best team against um, against Wales in two weeks' time, which he doesn't necessarily have to, then the Marseille team are going to come back in. Because like, you know, Tyburn, I still think, did more in Marseille than James Ryan, who was very good against Italy, did. And it's hard for, I think Ryan just reverts to the bench. 
Yeah, I would agree. I th- like I've made this point earlier. I think the biggest positive was that Farrell made so many changes and the levels didn't drop a whole pile, whereas that has happened in the past. So I think he'll be comforted by, you know, James Ryan, like Rudd said, coming in, calling a 100% line out. He knows now that if he does need him for that Wales game, that there's no issues. I've touched on Stuart McCloskey. Um, I agree with Craig Casey. I thought Finley Beelham was excellent. You know, mm-hmm. similarly to... To Johnny Sexton and Jack Crowley, I mean, no one was really talking about how much Ireland missed Tyg Furlong at the weekend. And what a week for Finley Beelham, who became a dad for the first time uh, earlier in the week, missed a bit of training and came back up. So really special few days for himself and his family. And look, this isn't the first time that Finley Beelham has come in instead of Tyg Furlong and hasn't really missed a beat. He was part of, I singled out Andrew Porter earlier, but he was part of that dominant scrum as well. So um, I think that's a huge positive for Farrell, but... I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go back to the Marseille team if everyone's fit. I suppose the one player we should mention is Gary Ringrose. Um, we're not sure if he's going to be fit in time. Like Rudd said, the the injury updates haven't been as regular as we're used to this season. So if Gary Ringrose is fit, does he come back in? I would say he wouldn't start, to be honest, because I think you have to reward uh, Aki and, and Henshaw. I think, like I said, I think Henshaw has been very good. Does that mean Ringrose comes onto the bench at 23 maybe? I don't know. Do you necessarily have to go with a 6-2 split on the bench for that Wales game? So look, it's a couple of weeks away. Obviously, Ireland have a down week this week. The Marseille game will feel like a long time ago by the time we get to that Wales game. But I think you have to reward form for that. It was such a good, um, accomplished performance, I think, from from 1 to 23. So um, I'd be very surprised if Farrell doesn't revert uh, back to that because, look, I think the Italy game was the one he was always going to make the changes. And when you look back at the way he's picked teams, he doesn't generally rotate heavily throughout a campaign. And, you know, you've seen it in the way he's picked Peter O'Mahony as his captain for this Six Nations. It's all about the here and now. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't go back to that Marseille team. I think it'd be fully deserved for everyone who got that win. Yeah. So lads, from the evidence we've seen of the two opening weekends, and yes, look, we know there's another three rounds to go, but it is realistically at this moment looking like this is Ireland's Grand Slam championship to lose. I, I don't think there's any way... Look, I, I don't think it's an Irish thing to say that. I think everyone, mm. if you listen to the media in, in England and in Wales and Scotland, I mean, the fair on Saturday across both games was, was so mediocre and Italy were, were so poor on, on Sunday as well. Um, it does feel like a lot of the other teams have kind of gone back a couple of steps since the World Cup and Ireland have just kept on motoring. And, and we, can't, we probably can't tell if Ireland have gone back a little. It doesn't look like they have. France have, have really come back to the pack. They've been, you know, they were so lucky to get away away from Murrayfield. Scotland are probably are, are a, nearly as consistent as Ireland in some ways, but that's, you know, they haven't kicked on, which is what they needed to do. They had such a poor World Cup. And I thought their, the paucity of their ambition in the second half, you know, they almost deserved what happened to them, which is probably very harsh. But, you know, I thought when they were six points up and were playing that horrible kick tennis game, and um, you know the, the the players using the Dupont rule and, and players standing still, it just almost invited France to kind of you know do the smash and grab, even if they were robbed a little bit at the end. And then England and Wales was you know, like a lot of it was scrum resets. And there was entertaining moments in that game, but really the quality on on show was was well below what we're seeing from Ireland. And um, look, those teams could get better as the tournament goes on, and, and we have to see whether Ireland can kick on and what Andy Farrell chooses to do with this team. But the the attacking play, they're, they're they're able to generate the quality of, of the options that Jack Rowdy and, and Gibson Park or Casey or Murray have to, to, to play with, the calibre of their ball carriers, the, the Joe McCarthy factor that he's come in and added to what they can do in terms of their defence. 
Um, there's there's just so many layers. They're quick, the quick speed of their ball, the quality of their set piece. Now, you know, I don't see a scrum. Maybe England could get on top of them a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a bit of a stretch from what we've seen so far. So they're they're the best team in this competition. Like I playfully suggested in my intro today that you know they might have to join the rugby championship to get a decent game. But you know, I think this I, look. I think the Six Nations will improve as the the cycle goes on. But right now, Ireland have kept on motoring and are, are quite far ahead of everyone else. And the only team that can stop them really, I think, is themselves. Yeah, we we touched on this last week um, after the the game in Marseille that it looked like France were still suffering from a World Cup hangover. I think there's probably a bit of a malaise across the board in the Six Nations, really, particularly when you look at the the two games we saw on Saturday. But to turn that back around on Ireland, I mean, I think that it reflects so well on Ireland that they haven't kind of fallen into that trap about. Not saying other teams are feel well. Like France actually look like they are feeling sorry for themselves, and they just look like a totally different team since the World Cup. I know they're missing Dupont and a couple of others, but they look totally devoid of inspiration, a spark. Whereas Ireland have just picked up where they left off. I know obviously they lost the quarter final, but up to that they were the best team in the world, and they they look exceptional at the moment as well. And that's probably a testament to the players. It's the coaches. It's the backroom team. You know, a guy like Gary Keegan has come in over the last couple of years, worked a huge amount on their mental skills. And we've heard lots of the players mention him over the last while and they're still mentioning him at the moment. So he's obviously played a key role, I suppose, in in turning the page really from the World Cup because it would be easy for... Ireland players to feel sorry for themselves, particularly the older ones who know that that was their opportunity to to win a World Cup because lots of these guys probably won't be in Australia in 2027. But it's been backboned by a young cohort of players. We've mentioned Jack Crowley, you've got Dan Sheehan, the fact that Caelan Doris was named captain, I thought was a great choice by Andy Farrell. Mm-hmm. Look, we don't know how long Peter O'Mahony is going to be Ireland captain for. I still think Peter O'Mahony was the, the ideal choice for now, but long-term... I think the more we're going to see Caelan Doris take on the, the captaincy, it's going to become clear that he probably will be the long-term successor. You, Jack Honan was speaking about him yesterday, how he's just so calm under pressure, you know, even though he might be nervous, as we heard Andy Farrell mm-hmm. and himself saying earlier, but he doesn't really show it. And I think like players feed off that confidence. So while there is, you know, we still have like the likes of Bundyaki, Connor Murray, Peter O'Mahony, all these guys who are really important. They should never have been discarded. There's a real young sort of um, brigade breaking through now, which it's going to become their team. So for Ireland not to have kind of fallen into that trap of a World Cup hangover is hugely positive. And I agree with Rod. I think, look, there will be, I'd be surprised if there isn't going to be some hiccup along the way, but potentially in in Twickenham. But I mean, the only team that really can stop them is probably themselves if they, I don't see them falling in love with themselves or getting complacent or anything like that. But to win a Grand Slam perfectly is a very difficult thing to do. And oh, they were pretty good at doing it last year. And the thing about it is, most of the squad were there when they beat England on Paddy's weekend mm-hmm. last. We, we were all there as well. What a weekend that was. What an occasion. They want another taste of that with Scotland coming to Dublin um, next month. So, look, still loads to play for, but what a position to be in. 10 points from two after the first two rounds. Loads of players blooded. I don't think Andy Farrell could have asked for much more, really. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, that is two down, three to go uh, in this Six Nations. Rory and Keane, thank you for that. Will and Luke will be back this week with another podcast, but that's it from us for now. Thanks for listening. 